Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com. I Work, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. And boy, today's conversation, you better hold on. As in every day, I've got a fantastic guest, but the conversation is going to be something that's going to challenge all of us to a deeper level in our faith. And it's going to go two different directions, so hold on. Big thanks goes out to Ace Andrews. He'll be engineering the show today. Romans 12.2 reminds us of the paradigm shift that we need to take each and every day as we enter our mission field the workplace, the place where you and I go every day, where we may meet, we may be the only Jesus people will ever see. Because you see, the world today, 70, 80% of them will never darken the doorsteps of a church. And even if they do, there's a lot of churches out there that don't even teach about Jesus. They don't teach about the cross of Christ. They don't teach about death and resurrection. They they just talk about a, a good feel kind of world, and it has nothing to do with being a Christ follower. So you and I, we need to take our real faith, our faith in a risen Savior who died on the cross and invited us to die with him so that we can have real life, as he talks about in John 10.10. 10. So that paradigm shift happens, as Roman 12.2 talks about. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Little by little by little, I added that part, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You see, people, we live in a culture today that very little of it actually represents God, but all around us are the amazing creations of our Heavenly Father, from the grass on the ground to the trees in the field to the people that we sit next to in our cubicles. But it takes a paradigm shift because we have to stop copying the behaviors of customers of the world that say, hey, you can't talk about your faith in the workplace. And I'm telling you, that's baloney. Because these people next to us in our cubicles, the people sitting next to us in the traffic in their cars, they are living hopeless lives because they don't know Jesus. You've got the answer living within you. We need to share it. Every day on I Work For Him, I challenge you to join the I Work For Him Nation. Go out to iWorkForHim.com, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag, and join today. Make that commitment to start praying for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day. And start doing it now. On I Work For Him, I try to bring on guests that will challenge you and me to deepen our faith. Trying to challenge us on conversations that are applicable to every day. And there's something that everybody in the United States of America is struggling with, and it's healthcare. And every one of us that goes to work, it used to be back when I was a kid 30 years ago and I got my first job, you know, healthcare benefits are just one of those things you took for granted. You got them. They didn't cost you nothing. You went to the doctor. I'm sorry, that wasn't great English, but it's driving a point home. It, It didn't cost you anything. 
and you had a $10 copay when you went to the doctor and a $5 copay when you got prescriptions, and that was the end of the story. Today, thanks to all of healthcare reform, we now have premiums that are triple what they were eight years ago. We now have doctor's visits where most of the time they're not covered until you reach your deductible, which is now triple the deductible of what you used to have before, which is now thousands and thousands of dollars. And it seems a little hopeless. And, and, and honestly, people, it's driving us towards a one-payer healthcare system. That's why they started this in the first place. But I don't really know any of the details, so I brought on an expert. I got Dr. Tony Dale on the phone with us today. He He's the president and CEO of Sidera Health. And you can find out more about him online at sidera.com, S-E-D-E-R-A.com. Tony Dale, Dr. Tony Dale, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Tony, before we get into the conversation on healthcare, just talk to us. Talk to us and the listeners out there about how you've noticed the Lord working in those intimate details in your life recently. Wow, that's, uh, that's quite a question, uh, and I am so glad that uh, God's Word teaches us that we should literally live and walk in His presence. I, uh, I, I think of uh, that verse from the Psalms that is quoted uh, in, in Acts about King David, I, I saw the Lord always before me, for He is at my right hand that I should not be moved. Uh, and I, I'm profoundly grateful, sort of in my student days, back as a medical student, uh, the Lord really began impressing on me the uh, reality of the fact that we were allowed, that we had the privilege, that he really wants to walk and talk with us moment by moment. Uh, so trying to, to learn how to live uh, practicing the presence of God, as, as Brother Lawrence would put it, uh, has been a lifelong uh, ambition, and it's it's been thrilling watching the way it works out. I mean, if I give you one example, uh, we're, we're tied up in a land deal. We're uh, currently uh, looking to purchase a, a, a piece of land tied up with uh, building an office that the company can move to when our current lease runs out in, uh, in just about 18 months. Uh, and it, it was just dragging and dragging. It was going so slow. Uh, and uh, what we thought was an ideal piece of land, but uh, everything was slow. Uh, and we work with a team of intercessors. And so I reached out to them and I said, please help me. What's happening on this land deal? Do you have any sense of the Lord saying something? Uh, and one of them uh, emailed me back and said, Tony, I, it probably doesn't make any sense, but I just feel like the Lord's saying, look at the details in the contract. Well, uh, I'm, I don't understand a lot of the details, but, you know, that's what we have attorneys for. And so I, I uh, sent it to the attorney and I said, you know, please tell me, is there, is there any little detail, anything you've read line that, uh, that is important that we need to know? Because this seems to be dragging on so long. But Tony, I'm going to stop you right there because okay. we're out of time in this segment. When we come back, I want to hear what that detail was that the Lord revealed to you. You're listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg, as we're talking with CEO, Dr. Tony Dale of Sidera Health. And boy, does he got a story. The Lord drug him here to the United States of America about 20 years ago, kicking and screaming. No, they the Lord they felt the Lord moving them to Texas from the beautiful British Isles, from Great Britain, and and then the Lord put him on holding pattern and said, "Hey, just trust me in this. I got a little desert experience for you, and you're going to experience that while you're in the desert of Texas." Tony Dale, welcome back to I Work for Him. 
Thank you so much. As I started reading your story in your book, Small is Big, that you and Felicity wrote, I, I, I can't wait to get to the end. And I apologize for not getting it done, but my, my wife's sister got married this weekend, and so all of my extra reading time got taken traveling. And normally, I, and I was driving, so normally I get a chance to get the book uh, read ahead of time. So we're going to have to do a show all about the, your idea, how you experienced the explosion of house churches in Great Britain, and that the Lord brought you here to do the to be participating in the same thing with a little paradigm shift after he put you in in, in a joseph experience for a little while but we're we're not going to get a chance to talk about all of that but we're going to after the next break talk a little bit about that i want to talk about your your experience in this in god's intimate his him showing you attention in the intimate details in your life you said that you're trying to buy a piece of land and you asked your intercessors to say hey what, what's going on here? It seems like I'm running up against roadblocks that I can't overcome. And you said one of them came to you and said, hey, pay attention to the details in the contract, and then what happened? Okay, well, we had been working on this for six months, and that was the frustration. And so with this word from the uh, intercessor, uh, I went to the attorney and said, tell me, is, is there something here that you, you haven't highlighted to me that uh, would help explain the delays and what's going on? Uh, and sure enough, the at attorney said, well, it's just a very minor issue. There's a platting issue. Uh, but she said, here in Austin, that'll probably take six months to sort out, even though it's so simple. And I said, whoa, we don't have six months to wait before we can even move forward for planning permissions and things like that. And, and so we had to say no to that piece of land. Within 24 hours, the Lord had given us something better. And I just say, wow, Lord, if we hadn't been listening to you, we wouldn't have even had our eyes open. And you'd be still sitting there waiting to get this all done. And Absolutely. that's and that's something that in if probably only in the last fifteen years that I recognized that the Lord cared about those intimate details in our lives. You're talking about one sentence in a contract, and sometimes it's just, Jim, don't put that there because if you do in about 25 minutes you're going to come back and you're going to regret putting it right where you put it whether whatever it is whether it's a sharp knife or something and, and just look that the lord really does care about those intimate details no matter where how complex it is and and we've got a complex problem in our country you know it, the for 25 years healthcare in our country has really been under attack and the politicians keep saying we've got this figured out we're gonna fix it well, as with any government program brought to us by either side of the aisle, the, their fix has caused us a living nightmare. But you've become an expert in healthcare in our country. How did that happen? How did you become an expert? <laughs> well, uh, I'm always rather hesitant to think of myself as an expert in anything. Uh, someone wants to find for me that an expert is someone who knows more and more about less and less until they know everything there is to know about nothing. Uh, and uh, that, that's perhaps a bit the way I feel about the Affordable Care Act. But uh, I, Well, we got we to gotta pass it so we can read it. I mean, come on, it was going to take too long to read it ahead of time. <laughs> there we are, and even then it's so long, who has the time? Uh, but, you know, uh, I, I literally fell into uh, this uh, line of work by accident, uh, unfortunately an accident to me. Uh, I injured my knee. Uh, I needed surgery. Uh, orthopedic surgeon told me it was going to cost about $2,000. That seemed perfectly reasonable to me. It was just a, a tear in my medial meniscus. It's relatively small, simple, straightforward orthopedic surgery. Uh, everything went great until the bills began coming. 
and I didn't get $2,000 of bills, but I got $14,000 of bills. Now, that was in 1996. Uh, Translate that into today's terms, uh, and that would be about $35,000 for a simple procedure. I was just into the hospital at 6 in the morning, and I was out on my way home by 10.30 that morning. And I thought, this is crazy. Uh, And that began my journey into trying to understand pricing within the American healthcare system. And uh, I don't know how deep you want me to go into that, but that really was the foundation that uh, led to us starting a company uh, to make sure that people didn't get trapped by medical costs uh, and ultimately led us into uh, starting uh, Sidera and what we're doing now for, for companies in terms of healthcare costs. Well, and I, I want to drive home the point of why we're talking about healthcare on I Work For Him. You know, I Work For Him is a show focused on helping people recognize their workplace is their mission field and that in that mission field, they may be the only Jesus their coworkers and employees may ever meet. And, and what I understand is that every worker in the United States of America today is suffering because of health insurance. Some of them are suffering because in a job that they used to get health insurance, they don't anymore. In people that used to work uh, part-time 39 hours a week, now they work in Florida 25 because otherwise their employer would have to provide them health care. So now they have to work two jobs to do it. Uh, for the average worker that used to get their health care included in their salary, now they're, help, they're having to pay for it because the costs have gone so much. And for those self-employed people like myself who used to pay their own premiums, and I have an HSA plan or before an MSA plan, and I was used to having a bigger deductible, now big deductibles are just part of the deal, and it's no longer a discount to have a big deductible. It's just what they expect you to pay. So everybody out there is suffering, but nobody really understands because the politicians say we're going to fix it. It doesn't matter who they elect that says, well, we're going to fix it, but they're not the solution. Of course, the only solution out there is Jesus, but I'm not sure he, I'm not sure what he wants to do with healthcare, but I'm hoping that maybe you've got an idea on it. And if Sidera Health is one of those solutions, I knew that, you, that, you, that you'd done a, a seminar with Oz Hillman and Marketplace Leaders, and he's a longtime buddy of mine. In fact, it's Oz Hillman that opened my eyes up to Marketplace Ministry. I thought, okay, we got to hear what Tony's got to say. So that's why you're on. We don't need to get too deep into the weeds, but we need to, we, we need to share some hope. And I think that you're going to be able to do that. Uh, you know, Jim, I, I think there's tremendous opportunity for help. Uh, and, uh, you know, in, in this case, uh, really uh, every sort of crisis that individuals or a country, country finds itself in uh, is an opportunity to turn to God and to say, well, Lord, what do we do? Uh, And I think as Christians, we have some really amazing answers. Uh, You may or may not know much about uh, the area of Christian health care sharing, but there have been some ministries uh, which actually found themselves specifically exempted from the law, uh, the Affordable Care Act, that is, uh, in 2010, uh, because they had already demonstrated over the previous 20 or 25 years that they were doing a good job uh, in helping individuals and families deal with their medical costs, literally based on the biblical principles found in Acts 2 and Acts 4, uh, where it says, and there was no need among them, because whenever any had need, they shared. Uh, And so back in the 1980s, groups of Christians began saying, we can literally share each other's medical bills. Uh, I mean, maybe think back to your history books and to uh, to, to the Amish or the Mennonites and uh, the concept of a barn raising. Uh, They don't worry about property and casualty insurance because if the barn burns down, the whole community gets together and puts it back up again. That's way cheaper than an insurance model. Uh, And Christians began pioneering that we could do that on something as complicated as health. 
Uh, now, I love those programs. I've been a part of those programs myself for 25 years, I guess, at this stage. Uh, but when the Affordable Care Act protected those groups, it only protected the Christian ministries doing this, and those ministries were really only reaching out to, to individuals or very small groups. Uh, and because I work in the corporate world, I was saying, Lord, there must be a way to take these concepts into the corporate world. Uh, and that really is what we've done in Sidera Health. We found a way to take these concepts uh, and marry it with certain elements of the Affordable Care Act that uh, we, we can live with and that help uh, take care of the, uh, the mandates, the individual and the employer mandate. Uh, and so we're taking the concept of sharing each other's burdens uh, right into the corporate world and building a community of companies who believe in these concepts and are uh, seeing their employees taken care of this way. So it's it's taking it's really the whole idea behind insurance the pooling idea is what you're talking about well kind of but you know there's a very important distinction between uh, insurance and sharing okay uh, in insurance you pay a premium to a third party and they take your premium and they also take your risk so there's now a legal contract that uh, I've given you my money, uh, but now if I fall sick, uh, in exchange for my money, you've taken on the risk of my sickness and you're going to pay for that. Uh, that's not what we do in the healthcare sharing model. In the healthcare sharing model, we say uh, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, or even we're just brothers and sisters in the sense of sharing our common humanity. Uh, and we love and we trust and we respect each other, and we are making a commitment, but it's only a moral commitment that we are going to share in each other's needs. And in a highly organized way, we're going to make sure that uh, every need gets taken care of. Uh, but the difference between a legal contract and the transfer of risk and a willing sharing of a moral obligation uh, are very different in law. Tell us about, give us some hope, because it, it, it they came out, the whole idea behind the Unaffordable Care Act, it, it was that there's 30 million people that don't have health care, we got to get them health care. Well, today, Tony, how many people don't have health care? <laughs> well... Uh, m many of that same. They, in fact, they used to say 45 million. Uh, but when you looked at uh, that number, uh, the, the 45 million was rather spurious. Perhaps a third of those people were just between jobs, uh, and so they would have health care again, uh, health care insurance again. Uh, then about a third of those people had uh, chosen not to. They could easily afford uh, insurance, but they just decided it made more rational sense, uh, which, for example, lots of young people basically view themselves as invincible. They're not sure they want to spend a lot of money, and they're perfectly free to make that choice as long as they'll then take care of themselves when they fall sick. So that was another third. And then maybe one-third of the people, maybe 15 million, genuinely did not have health insurance. Um, now, uh, the, the government figures would lead us to believe, and uh, I'm no expert on the statistics, but apparently 8 to 10 million people uh, who previously did not have health insurance may now have it. Uh, and I'm really glad for those who are finding it uh, uh, hard to find a way to have their medical needs covered. Uh, but at what a cost to the country uh, when there would have been much simpler and more effective ways that we could have uh, achieved that objective of helping the, the 7 or 8 million who've taken advantage of what's cost the whole country uh, just an unbelievable amount of money. Trillions of dollars. I mean, if my Absolutely. insurance rates have gone up triple and my deductibles have gone up triple, I mean, those numbers get to be staggering. 
All right, so enough. And my wife's going to call me and she goes, Jim, glass half full, not glass half empty. Okay, so <laughs> that's the issue. And by the way, no longer are you allowed to reference it as the Affordable Care Act because that's just a lie and we don't lie on I work for him. It's the Unaffordable Care Act because the only people it's affordable to is the people that got it free. The rest of it's been unaffordable. So we have to call it what it is, Tony. Don't be nice anymore. Don't, don't give them. It, it, that's just a talking point for them. All right, so you're an expert in this. You founded a healthcare company. Talk to me about what Sidera Health is all about. Okay, well, when you start looking at uh, what really comprises health costs, uh, you begin to discover, as you yourself said earlier, nobody really understands it. I mean, let me give you a simple illustration. Um, if you want to have your gallbladder taken out, which medically is called a cholecystectomy, uh, it might be that if you went to North Austin, it was going to cost you 22000 it might be if you went to South Austin uh, that it was going to cost you 12000 Well, how can exactly the same procedure with the same outcome, maybe even done by the same surgeon, ha- have this ludicrous difference in price just in two different locations within the same city? And yet I could tell you that's true right across the board. Your doctor asks you to get an MRI. Uh, if you happen to walk across the road to the hospital and get the MRI done there, it might cost you two and a half to three thousand uh, dollars. If you walk to the other side of the road and you go to one of the freestanding radiology clinics, especially if you are willing to go out of hours when uh, they might not be so busy, you might get it done for as little as four hundred and fifty. If you pay cash, uh, might be able to get it done for three hundred. Absolutely. In fact, we had a case, I mean, just in the last couple of weeks, one of the employees in uh, one of the companies we work with uh, called up to let us know she was pregnant. She had called the the hospital to to find out what next steps were. And uh, because within our system, she is viewed as self-pay, she had told them that, and they said it would cost 20000 So she called us up and said, hey, what what do I do next? We said, no problem. We'll we'll reach out to the hospital. We'll uh, figure it out. Uh, and uh, we called the hospital, uh, and they confirmed that they had told the woman 20000 uh, We said, well, we'd be willing to step in on her behalf through the community that she's a part of and pay that bill now. What would it be if we pay now? And they said, well, if you'll literally pay now, we'll accept 2900 Oh, wait, well, I mean, wait a minute. Oh, my gosh. Really? Okay, absolutely. sorry. That, that laugh was very unintentional. I'm sorry. That's a staggering difference. Well, it's not only staggering, but from my perspective, Jim, it's immoral because they would have happily accepted the 20000 from the patient who might have struggled for the next 10 years to pay off her debt. Whereas just the fact that we stepped in and said that we were willing to, uh, you know, share that cost on her behalf and they give it to us for a more realistic price, there's something wrong. You know, if you could buy your new Ford uh, Focus or whatever in one part of town for 30000 and in another part of town for 12000 nobody would go to the part of town where they had to pay 30000 But that's what's happening in healthcare because nobody knows, nobody understands. There's no pricing transparency. And to be honest, there isn't the honesty and integrity within the system at every level uh, to treat uh, the consumer, that's you and me who need the health care, uh, in a way that uh, acknowledges that we deserve fair pricing. Well, and really, isn't that driven by the Medicare pricing? Because if you know, there, if you go into a doctor, there. I mean, this is part of the issue that I've been hearing from my doctor friends is that the Medicare pricing keeps getting cut and cut and cut, and so because it's getting cut and they get paid, they barely can cover their costs with Medicare 
pricing that then they they jack up their prices other places and even though they're charging those higher prices they may it may take them months or maybe a year to get the money from the healthcare and the healthcare companies are still going to cut them anyway so they've got a price but it's really just a they're just a hope for price but they're going to negotiate it based on who they're dealing with well, certainly what you're describing is a significant part of the problem, and it's uh, what's described as price shifting. Uh, but uh, that's part uh, of a, a much more complex sort of ecosystem of healthcare where nothing is open and transparent. Uh, and so, you know, people say, well, wouldn't competition or whatever uh, make all of this clearer? The trouble is we, we live in an environment where 45 cents out of every dollar that are spent on health care in the United States is spent by the government, uh, whether that's through Medicaid or Medicare or all sorts of uh, other programs that are out there. It's very hard for, for people, even those in the system who might be trying to make it fairer, uh, to figure out what they can do to make sure that costs are being covered in appropriate ways. So how does uh, Sidera so- help this problem? I want to make sure you get to you know toot your own horn on this deal. How do you guys... <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just because I read about it and I was impressed. How does Sidera help with this issue? Okay, well, we help by tackling it from a completely different point of view. First of all, we absolutely are not an insurance company. Uh, we work. Uh, with uh, people on uh, insurance products that they uh, acquire from other uh, folks so that they can take care of the law. Uh, And usually we work with a company where they'll get what's known as minimum essential coverage through a third-party administrator, and we'll help them uh, understand the process and what they can do to take care of the law. But that also, at a medical point of view, is only going to take care of preventative care. We've then built on the biblical model of sharing each other's needs a way to take care of the actual medical cost of sickness uh, or of accident. Uh, And because we're doing that within what is legally viewed as a self-pay framework, we're able to make sure that we can negotiate uh, for uh, all of the employees of companies we work with fair prices on everything that happens to them. So... Do you have programs only available for corporations, or do you have plans available for individuals? Okay, what uh, we do in Sidera is uh, only available to corporate groups, although uh, in the complexity of law, a group might be as small as one, uh, as long as that person actually has a true company uh, and uh, have a formal sort of employee-employer relationship within their own company. Uh, but yes, we only work in Sidera within corporate frameworks, but the Christian healthcare sharing model on which we're based Uh, and which has a very strong history and rapidly growing, uh, is uh, available to individuals, whether they're, uh, you know, part of a business or not. Tony, as you talk about, as I looked at your website and compared, just did a little bit of comparison, I've got an insurance background, just enough to be dangerous at this point in time in the healthcare world because it's changed so much. When a corporation comes to you, whether they've got 10 employees or 100 employees or 1,000 employees, what will, how will the experience be different than if we're dealing with the typical big five healthcare companies around the country? Uh, well, it is going to be very different uh, because uh, we're going to show them what can happen outside of the insurance model as well as inside. Uh, and I guess uh, at a practical level, uh, at the bottom line, which is uh, obviously something that companies are very interested in, 
uh, we typically are going to uh, help a company see how they can save somewhere between 25 to 50 percent uh, on their health care costs at a time when they're actually often experiencing 25 percent increases uh, when they're with the uh, big insurance companies. Uh, so this is very different. Uh, but because the approach itself is also so different, uh, absolutely, we find that we have to engage with the senior leadership of a company. Uh, because, you know, someone who's uh, perhaps the head of HR and is perfectly used to making a decision whether they go with one health insurance company or another uh, is not used to the issues that are involved uh, when you're choosing whether you use what's primarily an insurance model or what's primarily a non-insurance model. Uh, and so that's why we primarily uh, at least start our conversations with the CEOs and board chairmen and CFOs uh, so that they understand the philosophy of what we're doing uh, and why it's so important to do something that's really based on biblical principle. And that's what's cool. It's based on biblical principles, the, really what's brought up in the early church in, uh, in Acts. And, and I love that about the model because it's you're really – you're trying to overcome where the world, I mean, this is a mess. I mean, people are frustrated. Everybody out there listening, there isn't a single person that goes, yeah, this hasn't affected me because it has affected everybody. It absolutely has affected everybody. And I, I, I think, you know, one of the areas that perhaps has not been generally understood and certainly isn't talked about by the press uh, is that health insurance actually isn't insurance in a true use of the word anymore. You know, if you think about insurance on your house, we all willingly pay for our health insurance, sorry, for our house insurance or maybe our car insurance or even our life insurance based on something that we don't expect to happen, uh, you know, for a very long time or in, our, in terms of life insurance until death when we're old. Uh, but health insurance isn't like that. It's a very expensive way of prepaying for something that we know is going to happen. So, you know, take that uh, sort of analogy over to cars. We all know that we're going to have to change our oil three or four times a, a year minimum on our car. So we plan for it, and it can be done for sort of 25 or $30 because we plan for it and we pay out of pocket. But if we paid for uh, an oil change the same way we pay for prepayment for uh, going to, to the visit with my kid who's got, you know, got a heavy cold, uh, instead of the $30, which would be nice since we're only taking five minutes of the doctor's time on it, we find ourselves paying 130 plus a prescription charge. Uh, and even that then gets argued about between the insurance company and the doctor. And so it becomes such an expensive transaction. Uh, and so we need to bring health insurance back to where the patient and the doctor are relating uh, and not primarily through a third-party payer, uh, but are directly interacting with each other and agreeing on a fair payment methodology. Hmm. Man, it just it's so radical, it leaves me speechless. And, and it is... If people see and check it out. If you own a company, if you work at a company and you've heard people complaining, this is an option you guys should check out. Sedera Health, S-E-D-E-R-A.com, Sedera.com. When you look at, okay, so you're saying premiums, companies could expect to save some money, 25 to 50% maybe. What about the? What about you? What about me? I work there, I, I, and all of a sudden, I used to have a, a 25 or $30 copay. Now I've got a $5,000 deductible. So, I mean, okay, how does it, it impact me differently? 
Yeah, you, you are putting your finger on it because the game that's been played for the last sort of 15, 20 years is uh, every year, uh, you know, your, your broker comes to your company and, and says, hey, look, you know, we're going to need to put, let's say, an 8% or a 10% pay, uh, yeah, you know, premium increase. Uh, or company, we, we could cut that from 10% to maybe only 4% as long as what the employee pays out of their pocket goes up. And so deductibles and copays have uh, climbed, and particularly deductibles have climbed dramatically. Uh, you know, pre the Affordable Care Act, uh, a relatively oh, high a deductible was $1,500. Prior to the Unaffordable Care Act, you said it. You said it uh, as you said. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Prior to 2010, uh, you know, a, a relatively high deductible was 1500 right. Now, 5000 is almost the normal. And 5000 is crippling for the ordinary worker. How many people have $5,000 sitting in a savings account they can afford to use because of an unexpected accident? Five to ten percent uh, of the population. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the, the tragedy is that if you look at 20 uh, families... Uh, all paying, you know, they're, they're part of the health insurance premium. The, uh, uh, you know, their employer is also paying uh, the employer's part. So the family doesn't even know how much is being paid, but a lot is being paid. 19 out of 20 families won't hit their $5,000 deductible. So although they and their employer has been spending a lot of money every month on the premium, now one of them gets sick. It's a, a broken leg maybe, and they go to the emergency room, and it's set, and they're sent home, and maybe they've got $4,500 in bills. They're going to be paying it themselves because they haven't hit their 5000 deductible. Uh, and, you know, we, we've now set up a system uh, where all of the healthy – are heavily subsidizing uh, for the one in 20 uh, who's going to have that uh, more catastrophic experience. Uh, and you have to ask yourself, uh, is this the only way to do it? And the answer is no, there are better and fairer ways. And so how does Sadira do that? Well, we do it in all sorts of ways. Uh, first of all, uh, we uh, teach people how to actively engage. We have three C's that we base what we do on. The first C is that we're Christ-centered. We've talked a tiny bit about that already. The second C is that we're community-focused. We're a community of companies saying we trust each other and we believe in each other as companies enough that we trust we can actually share each other's medical bills. Uh, and then thirdly, we're consumer-driven. Now, this is another key part of the process. It's engaging the individual patient. Uh, and that's on anything uh, from uh, as simple as saying, you know, uh, my choice of weight is actually going to have a long-term impact on my overall health cost. Am I, am I willing to think about that? Uh, am I willing to think about the fact that uh, if I smoke, uh, that has a long-term impact on my health, but on the cost to the whole community? Uh, it means I look at something like, well, uh, depending on what sort of Christian tradition you come from, you may or you may not drink. Uh, but let's assume that you drink uh, some, but I think all Christians would believe at a minimum that, uh, that uh, you know, we're not to get drunk. The Bible is right. very clear on that. Uh, so, you know, within our model, we're, we're perfectly free to say, well, if you get involved in a single vehicle accident and your blood alcohol is over the legal limit, you're not only breaking the law, 
you've taken huge risk on yourself and you're trying to push that off on the community, that's completely inappropriate. You're responsible for your own choices in life. Uh, and so we teach people what it means to be a healthy living community. Uh, and by bringing personal engagement, it impacts at every level. Personal engagement. How about personal engagement and responsibility? So what you're saying is your model is completely the opposite of the Unaffordable Care Act because there's personal engagement and responsibility involved. Uh, absolutely. I mean, we are, I guess, at the opposite end of the pole from the whole welfare mentality. Uh, and the tragedy is that healthcare has been set up in this country where people either in a sort of welfare relationship with the government, uh, which doesn't hold them responsible, uh, or they're in a welfare uh, arrangement with their employer. Uh, where even employers don't feel free to hold people responsible for their own choices. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, but when you start looking at the economics of this, this is so unfair on those who choose to live healthy. We're talking today with Dr. Tony Dale about today's understanding today's healthcare options. And if you're just tuning in right now, you've missed a lot. Go back and get the archive on iWorkForHim.com. And honestly, people, as we talk with Dr. Tony Dale from Sedera Health, Sedera.com, S-E-D-E-R-A.com. And I've honestly, when I heard about it, I thought, wow, this is something everybody needs to hear about. There are alternatives to what we're being told is our only healthcare options. And if you're just tuning in right now, we're not going to talk about healthcare anymore because we want to talk about Tony's book. But if you want to find out more, go online, sidera.com, and we'll have the link on Facebook right after the show. All right, so Dr. Tony Dale and his wife, Felicity, wrote this book, Small is Big, Unleashing the Big Impact of Intentionally Small Churches. Tony, we got three minutes left, so we got to hit it fast and furious. You said that the early church, it was all about the small church. How did you come to be sucked into understanding that the small church was what God intended? Uh, well, it was in my student days. Uh, I was a medical student at Barts Hospital in London, uh, and uh, England was in the 60s. These are, we're talking Vietnam War days, uh, and Christianity was an incredibly low ebb. Uh, all the churches, I mean, of every background, denomination, persuasion, uh, were struggling and dying everywhere. Uh, in our medical school, we were about 1% Christian. Uh, and so we were crying out to God and saying, Lord, uh, you know, how, how do we touch the, the student body for you? Uh, and God began working by his Holy Spirit uh, and just showed us that uh, really Christianity is about living 24-7 in relationship with Jesus and in relationship with each other. Uh, Jesus said, you know, that they would see that we were one uh, and that that would glorify him in John 17. Uh, and we began living that uh, and uh, seeing little groups emerge in our dorms, uh, in the hospital, in different wards. Uh, uh, we began seeing that students were having an impact on, on patients, uh, that doctors were talking with ward orderlies and cleaners. And uh, all of a sudden, there was a real sense of community, but it all happened in the sort of immediacy of the small, of the what, what, what I'm doing day by day, moment by moment. Uh, and so we began to dig, uh, and we found that the New Testament is written through a lens of what happens in the small group. Uh, small group. 
What does it mean to love one another, to bear one another's burdens, to forgive one another, to teach and admonish one another? Uh, that's something we all do. That's not just something that happens from front to back, but that's each of us with each other. And, and, and contrast that to what people are experiencing in these big mega churches. because I go to a mega church, there are mega churches all across the country with thousands and thousands of people. What do you, what do you miss? When you're not in that small church. I mean, a lot of people say, well, go to your small group, your connection group, your life group, or whatever. But those still have 50 people in them, but you're still part of this massive church. How is it different? I need to be careful what I say here, because I, I love uh, the large churches, and I thank God for them. I love the worship and the praise, and, uh, you know, t- uh, typically the, 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 the pastors are very gifted. And, you know, large churches seem to be really good at evangelism, uh, but they're not very good at discipleship. Uh, And, you know, Willow Creek has perhaps been the most public and open about this. You know, what an awesome job uh, that they've done over the years uh, of reaching out to their community. But they wrote a book uh, on their own experience saying that they've not been very good at helping people become disciples. Uh, And really the small group, I mean, look at Jesus. He he would teach the Sermon on the Mount or he would preach to the 5,000. But he spent his time with the twelve, and even among them, even more with the three, and even more with John, the beloved disciple. Tony, I hate to cut you off. I apologize. We've run out of time. Thank you so much for the gift of your time today, for helping us learn so many things. We're going to have to do another show all about your book. i got to say goodbye, but thank you so much, Dr. Tony Dale. God bless you. As we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, just a challenge out there today. There's alternatives. There's options. you got to find out about them. And hopefully on I Work For Him, you'll learn more. We're out of time. I'm a Christ follower. I own my own business. But ultimately, the Lord revealed to me that I work for Him.